0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Witchfix. Today I'm going to be talking about a book that I didn't really know anything about before I picked it up, but I picked it up for about a pound on eBay, so I thought, ah, oh, I'll give this one a read and. Uh see if I'm pleasantly surprised and the upshot of that was no I was not pleasantly surprised I was unpleasantly disappointed but the book I'm going to be talking about is A Witch's Ten Commandments Magical Guidelines for Everyday Life by Marion Singer and I just want to preface this by saying obviously my review of this is incredibly subjective it's literally just my opinion That's all any episode of this ever is, Um, but I'm going to try and give you as much background into how I came to feel the way that I did about this book, and hopefully that'll explain to you where I'm coming from, and you can make your own mind up about whether you want to read it or not. I just want to include a trigger warning for this episode, although it is mostly just the discussion of the contents of the book. Some discussion time is also given to issues missing from the book, which include suicide and abortion, uh, and those do get described in some depth and I do relate a few of my personal experiences so if you think that's going to be triggering for you I would again give this episode a miss. Uh, So I was looking around online and I think I just finished reading The Circle Within and was looking for like more books about Wiccan life and ethics and things like that Um, less to do with like magic and more to do with you know living life as a witch And so obviously this one really appealed to me in that sense. It was not expensive. Um, I think I bought it along with other books to get like combined postage. So, yeah, I was just sort of like, oh, okay, I'll buy this. I've never heard of the author before um, and I'll, I'll get it. And while I was waiting for it to turn up in the post, I did a quick Google on like the author and other things that she's written and what mostly came up was um, the only Wiccan spell book you'll ever need. There seem to be two of those which is very odd considering the title and um, there's also uh, several other mass market paperbacks like Candlelight Recipes for Magic uh, and The Sexy Sorceress so various other like Wiccan-y, pagan how-to books but nothing that i'd heard of previously like nothing that kind of spoke to like popular posts and things that i'd seen on instagram or seen recommended in some of the witch groups that i'm in on facebook and nothing that i'd seen previously in like bookshops so um i went into this one a little bit blind The idea of the book is that it provides the Ten Commandments of Christianity and then against those it posits a sort of Wiccan ideal uh, in the hopes of building up like Ten Commandments for us all to live by as witches. Um, Again, it is a book that conflates witch and Wiccan to mean like the same thing, because although they do say witch and Wiccan as if they're different things, they also say that witches follow like the rule of three in the in and it harm none do what you will and those are very much wiccan things not like universal witch things so the book turned up and first impressions of it were that it was quite impressively created and clearly not like a self-published book it has like a kind of parchment patterned covers uh, with like illuminated designs and then the edges of the pages have been like cut um so they're like rough, like they've been inserted parchment style in an oldie worldie book. Um that is the kind of style of book that I really like, but it also kind of made me a bit nervous because the other book that I'd seen that has this style is like the Good Witches' Spell Books, which aren't like particularly hefty academic reading. And this is meant to be like a book about literally like ethics of religion, which is sort of the weightiest topic that you can think of. Um and I was a little bit worried that the uh, outside of the book didn't necessarily reflect what i hope to be quite serious content i actually kicked off the book quite enjoying it it gives a kind of a, a little rundown in the preface of things that we can learn from other religions um, they are quite brief uh, paragraphs but like just different ideas that are pulled from different religions um depending on kind of which background we're coming from although having said that on page eight of the preface which is like page one really of the preface it's like page eight of the introduction section um it lists some things um about how different religions conflict with each other and it says things like jews do not recognize jesus as the messiah protestants do not recognize the pope as the leader of the christian faith and those are things that i kind of knew to be like accurate i guess um but then the like the first one in that section is Muslims do not recognise Judaism as a religion, which I'd never heard before. So I literally had just started reading the book and I had to go away and Google it because I was like, ah, that does not sound quite right. Um, and I couldn't turn up anything that suggested that they don't see. Uh, That Muslims don't see Judaism as an actual religion obviously there's a huge amount of conflict uh, to do with Israel and, and things of that nature and various contentions over who is a prophet in whose religion and who isn't but there's nothing that I've seen that says that Muslims basically straight up just don't see Judaism as a religion I don't know where that came from I haven't been able to find any sources for that and none are provided in the book that made me a teeny bit worried because when something like that sticks out it makes me think oh is there going to be other stuff in here that just seems weird and odd and I started to have a flashback to when I read that book by the Frosts and that all came across as very weird but I pushed past it because it was quite late and I decided to not google anymore just to try and carry on reading and see where I got to. The introduction is quite good it kind of sets out the aims of the book to give you a little bit of a quote from the beginning just so you can kind of get the aims of the book while it's impossible to discuss all the variables in one book the goal of a witch's 10 commandments is to open up our broom closets to serious ethical and moral scrutiny in the pages of this book we'll consider some of the issues that lie heavily on the minds of people in our community questions such as can we bring our children up in a magical tradition without overriding free will To what type of accountability can we hold our priests, priestesses and other leaders? Should we consider having paid clergy like other faiths? A Witch's Ten Commandments also considers the questions and issues that affect our community from the political, social and familial sectors. Politically speaking, how do we protect our freedom of religion in the face of church state lines being crossed? Socially, how do we support alternative lifestyles that the public hasn't fully embraced? And for our families, just explaining that we're pagan, wiccan, druid or shaman or whatever can prove to be an emotional and difficult undertaking, often leaves feelings of guilt or creates distance between us and our loved ones. That just kind of gives you a brief idea of what the contents of the book is kind of aiming to be and what it's aiming to get into. Unfortunately, it also outlines one of the things that I did not like so much about the book. The sentences are so very long, very run on sentences. And the thing is, I got the sense from quite a lot of paragraphs that they didn't really say anything. Well, that they didn't really say anything. Um, There was like maybe one sentence of like actual content in the paragraph and the rest of it was just kind of waffle that didn't build on that idea and didn't explain it any further, but just kind of restated it over and over again. And the book is under 250 pages, which is already very short. For a book that is meant to be about like the ethics and implications, morally speaking, of how to practice a religion, not just a religion, but an entire branch of religions like neo-paganism, witchcraft, shamanism, wicca, the things that it's just mentioned in the introduction. To cover that in under 250 pages is already a tall order. And to put in those amount of paragraphs that don't really say anything, not to mention each commandment has its own like introduction page, which is just a number and then the name of the commandment. And then after that, there's like a little page with like illuminated designs on it. And a sort of story i guess or parable uh, kind of pseudo biblicalness which um doesn't really add anything to the book and to be honest after the first couple i kind of skipped them so i'm going to read you one now which is from page 47 and this is meant to illustrate the commandment number three um the judeo-christian third commandment says thou shalt not take the lord of uh, the name of thy lord thy god in vain neo-pagans say spirit abides in all things words and names have power and the weird introduction story section is thus The seeker discovers the unique, wondrous spark in all things, in the tiny insect, in the wind's breath, in the glowing morning sun, in the faces of children. This vision sets the seeker's mind in a new direction. They begin to live differently, to be differently. The awareness of one grows to an awareness of many, of the seen and unseen worlds where energies dance, play and spiral the magic of the universe. The energy is like a blueprint that was etched at the dawn of time, but not one of firm images or words. Rather, it is one built on amazing ideas that could not be limited. The seeker engaging those ideas cannot help but transform, cannot help but live prayerfully, seeing and interacting with the blueprint of creation, and more importantly, the architect. As the pages of the blueprint slowly unfold and the seeker begins to understand, he or she also wants the same sense of longing for self a name by which to be remembered, a name that resonates with all incarnations of the path itself. It is time to choose, it is time to find the power of space and name. I don't want to be resoundingly negative and kind of bitchy but is everyone still awake after that because I felt myself dropping off around paragraph two. It's not that it's not like I guess pretty wordage, Um, it's just that it doesn't really add anything and this is meant to be a book about again ethics, morals, actual discussing those topics and taking up space with things like that that don't really say anything is just kind of a waste of pageation to me. Um, so that was an, an aspect of the book that I didn't get along with very well. I came kind of unstuck with the concept of the book in um, Commandment 2 which uh, is not a great way into the book as you will probably have guessed um, but Commandment 2 is neo-paganism teaches as above so below as within so without and then it goes kind of often in a weird direction which is again something that i found difficult about this book it kind of starts with the commandment like and it harm none which is actually left until like the very end of the book which is very odd considering it's quite a wiccan centric book and that is probably the biggest tenet that we have as a religion um But then it goes off in kind of an odd direction. So as above, so below, as within, so without kind of implies that it's going to be talking about the connectedness of all things, the way things are mirrored in a a kind of microcosmic way uh, of the universe. But what we actually get into talking about is black and white magic uh, and the magic of everyday things. And then it kind of moves into descriptions of when to use loosing and banishing and binding, none of which really touches on what i assumed the chapter would be about and none of which really relates to the matching uh, corresponding judeo-christian commandment given at the beginning which is thou shalt not thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above blah de, blah de, blah so there isn't really a lot of correlation there and i started to find that the sections on each commandment seemed like the sections for the commandments had been thought up and then underneath them was just kind of rambling until the next commandment and the introduction part would tie into it as with the conclusion but the midsection would be kind of wishy-washy and not really about anything but what really made me come unstuck around commandment two was the fact that they discuss black and white magic for quite a, a, a large number of pages and they talk about how those things are categorized about chaos energy and things like that and the kind of history of the term of black magic in very broad strokes but what they don't go into is anything to do with like the racial implications of calling something black magic which is something that I've been hearing a lot more about on social media and things like that talking about witchcraft this idea that black magic is somehow evil and why it is that we call it black magic and things like that as opposed to people kind of reclaiming that term and using it to refer to things like uh, Santeria and voodoo and things like that um, which I thought was kind of weird to leave that out especially in a book we were talking about like ethics and morals and examining terms closely um, when I was doing my philosophy a level this is a long time ago but basically the start of every new topic you would have to go into it and define words because to talk about religion and things like that you have to define your terms specifically so we know what we're talking about things like evil things like good they're all like these big big subjects and big emotive words but you have to break down those concepts because you can't really talk about why do bad things happen to good people if you haven't defined you know what are we talking about when we mean good people what are bad things and how does that all work together and not a lot of that gets examined in this chapter which i found just a, a little bit odd And again, um, then later on in that same section, Commandment 2, page 34 and 35, they talk about karma, but there's no link back to the fact that karma is actually from Hinduism. It's not really karma that Wiccans believe in. It's meant to be like the rule of three, which is very different because obviously karma only affects you after you die, whereas we believe the rule of three affects you like throughout life and again that's kind of like poorly defined a little bit wishy-washy just kind of chucking words in there and um, it made me not that excited to continue reading the book to be honest so at this point I wasn't really having a great time with the book it was kind of a struggle to read because you had to read like a page long paragraph to get like maybe a sentence of actual content because the rest was just waffle or a lot of kind of buzzwords and talking around the subject that didn't end up really meaning anything to me. Um, but then on page 62, I encountered something which made me do a kind of a double take. It's talking about uh, craft names because it's in a section about like naming things and how names have power. And it says, three other considerations in choosing and using names are changing social awareness, cultural meaning meaningfulness, and most important, what energies the name evokes. For example, at one time the word squaw was used as part of place names without a second thought, e.g. Squaw Peak in Phoenix, Arizona. However, now that we know that the word refers to the female genitalia, we have all but eliminated it from use because it is not politically correct. Now, I don't know about you but when I hear that word I don't necessarily think of it as meaning female genitalia which is what the book says that it means. What I think is an offensive term for Native American women Um, and I don't know if this is just me because um, a while ago I wrote uh, a series of books about um, pioneers and they featured Native American characters Um, so I kind of immersed myself in the world of those types of novels and history books about that sort of thing so I was like oh maybe it's just I've heard it in that way and it's not something that other people think of in that context so i did a quick google and by that i mean i literally just put the word into google and all that came up was like you know the first page results you get for like wikipedia and dictionary.com and all those like well-traveled sites and they all refer to it as being an offensive racist and misogynistic term directed towards native american women or just women in general uh, as you kind of widen the use of that word out but not specifically that it means like gen genitalia and I kind of thought about that and then I thought back to the whole thing about not really discussing why we might shy away from terms like black and white magic now. And I really started to have a problem with it. And it was my overarching problem with the book in general in that it didn't seem to want to talk about any real issues um, in terms of morality and in terms of society as we now find it. Because I think one of the great things about Wicca and neo-pagan religions is that, They were created or recreated so recently that we have a chance to use them to look at more modern issues or issues that always existed, but we're more aware of now in like the modern era in which we find ourselves. For example, there's probably not a lot in the Bible, which I've never read, I have to say, about racism and about how to deal with that. But being a modern religion, we can sort of look at the ethics of that through our religion and work on it and think about how our religion reflects on that which is a really nice thing this book doesn't mention that at all and in a sense on the page that i've just quoted goes so far as to just ignore issues that it has itself raised like i don't know why she used that word and then insisted that it meant something that it doesn't actually mean in its first known definition or maybe even at all It was very strange and from that point on I was not really prepared to give the book the benefit of the doubt which is completely on me because maybe a reader who was having a better time with the book would have gotten more out of it than I did but From then on, all I could kind of look at were the things that it wasn't saying. And what the book wasn't saying became very apparent in two particular chapters. The first of which is Commandment 6. The Judeo-Christian 6th Commandment instructs thou shalt not kill. Neo-paganism says all life is sacred. Now, hearkening back again to my philosophy and religion A-level. Some of the big subjects you talk about when you talk about the sanctity of life as prescribed by christian dogma are the death penalty and abortion because those are the big issues where we as people decide who lives and dies you could also factor into that euthanasia um, which i guess comes sort of between the two this book talks about euthanasia but in the sense that it briefly mentions suicide and euthanasia but doesn't really give whole amount of thoughts or page space to it it actually puts these issues after dealing with uh, things to do with animals which is i guess fair enough uh, if you want to put those things in that order i don't know particularly why you would because when we tend to talk about life we tend to talk about human life and then we tend to talk about animal life because we're humans obviously human life is slightly more important to us than animal life Um, but then the animal life section isn't even particularly that detailed it just kind of talks about how some people are vegetarians and some people are not and that's it it doesn't even it doesn't really touch on like factory farming it does talk about um, animal testing but it doesn't differentiate between animal testing for medical reasons like to Test medicines and things that we desperately need, and to test things like mascara um, and differentiate between those two things. Uh, But then it gives quite a lot of time to thinking about pets um, and whether having pets is right or whether having pets is wrong, which is very strange to me because that isn't necessarily the biggest animal issue that I would think about. But moving back to the section about suicide, um, it doesn't really reach a conclusion or offer any thoughts that are meaningful at least to me about uh, suicide or assisted death and it kind of puts those two things in the same box um what it ends on is just to say some will find their faith challenged and experience the dark night of the soul from which they emerge with new perspectives some will embrace death as the inevitable balancing of their life's wheel turning once more and trust in the next incarnation to sort things out all of these actions or inactions can be correct if we are walking our talk and staying connected to the God slash deaths, which is what they write like to mean deity within each situation and person is unique and needs to be treated accordingly. Now, what I would have liked to see in that section and what I would like to see in the book overall and was disappointed that I did not see is unpacking of things that we take to be like a Wiccan creed and using it to address these issues for instance you've got and it harm none you've got the rule of three now if you want to take and it harm none as being like one of the core parts of wiccan belief which i firmly do now i view religion very much as showing us how we should behave in order to cause less harm to those around us and to ourselves so looking at wicca and and it harm none as a tenet of that and relating it back to the issue of suicide it could be that In a dark moment when you are considering suicide, which I've done previously, I've struggled with mental health pretty much my entire life, then thinking of the harm that it would cause to your family, friends, people who love and care about you might be enough to help you in that place to decide not to take such drastic action, to hang on, to try again, to just wait and let things hopefully get better for yourself. And that is a way in which religion can, like, guide you. Um, And I'm not saying that it's like a thou shalt not thing. Like, the, the Christian perspective that suicide is a sin, I think, is quite problematic. That's putting, like, a lot of blame on someone who is already in a really bad place. But I also think that, obviously, it's a really sad and horrible thing whenever anyone kills themselves. And therefore, it's kind of a nice thing to not have to just say to that person, you know, your life's a gift. You should be grateful for it. But to say, look this will hurt other people who care about you and from that you can get the idea of actually people do care about me and will miss me and love me and that's actually a really good way to kind of pull yourself out of that dip. Relating it back to another issue I wish they discussed in the book which is abortion. Uh, Obviously harm none would seem to completely forbid abortion the same way that the Christian sanctity of life seems to completely forbid abortion. But if you think about harm none as in no one which is sort of what none is short for that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways harming none can mean no person or no living thing right down to like bacteria um which some buddhist uh, monks i think actually like walk around with like masks over their mouths so as not to breathe in and accidentally kill even tiny pieces of bacteria because that's an extreme form of non-violence but if i'm just thinking okay well in my personal view harm none means no person or no sentient being then abortion would be perfectly fine because the legal limits of abortion as it stands mean that you can't really have an abortion after the point at which uh, um, the fetus develops to the point where it has a brain and can be basically legally thought of as a living being that's separate from you up until that point it's basically just like an appendix flowing around in there And that's just my personal view. Obviously, I'm not saying this is true for all Wiccans. But this is the kind of discussion that I was hoping to find in this book, and it was sadly lacking. What this is doing is just saying, well, you know, it's all good, right? Whatever you decide, it's probably fine, which is really odd. And again, it doesn't mention those really big hot button issues like the death penalty and abortion, which are these are big moral decisions and moral quandaries that we face all the time. And I think it would be interesting to look at those through the lens of the wiccan experience which is what i thought this book was going to be about and basically what it said on the front cover that it was going to be about but it kind of isn't and it really rubbed me up the wrong way that it wasn't really talking about that bizarrely in the all life is sacred chapter while it's not covering suicide in any detail and just completely skips over the death penalty and abortion and most of the issue of euthanasia as well as well as not particularly looking at animal issues in any real depth it does devote a page to political correctness which i thought was a weird thing to include and it just seems very odd and kind of like a letter that someone might write to the daily mail so i'm going to read it to you political correctness Inevitably, we come to a question of where to draw the PC line with our family and friends and with our communities. How much is it OK to hide without compromising our sacredness? How much should we fight against unhealthy trends? How often should we give in to the status quo? And then there's just two paragraphs about, you know, paganism being recognised in the mainstream and sometimes criticised by people who don't really know what it is. And then it says, let's consider an example. Some women don't mind being called mum or missus. The first is intended as a polite term and many women are actually thrilled at any type of common courtesy these days. Mrs is a correct if old-fashioned title assuming that the woman has taken a married name. However, some feminists will be offended if you didn't call them by the more PC term Ms. Others prefer that all gender-specific terms went away altogether. Such terms create a rift between those who use them in a global society that still needs certain terms for clear understanding, especially when we translate from one language to another. When it comes to questions of political correctness, I would challenge us to consider where our energy is best applied. Don't jump on a bandwagon until you know who else is riding. I feel like this is not something that belongs in the life is sacred section and not really even something that needs to be said at all. I don't even really get what it is saying. The term political correctness to me, i always read as treating people with respect because when people go like oh it's political correctness gone mad it's really just people treating people with respect pa! i don't have time for shit like that calling people by the names they want to be called by Ugh, what an inconvenience to me the most important person in the world it's different and it makes me uncomfortable so that rubbed me out the wrong way because it just used the term political correctness which i always associated with people who just hate to change um And again, it doesn't really speak to life being sacred. It kind of speaks to this snickety small mindedness about what we will and won't allow to be normal. And it just came across as very odd and not something that I thought should have been given space in that section where not a lot of other things were given space i spoke about um things not being included that i thought should be included in sections and this continues into commandment seven which is thou shalt not commit adultery to christians in neo-paganism is all acts of love and pleasure are sacred i can get on board with that that's definitely one of the things i thought would be included earlier on in the commandments list because it's from the charge of the goddess and again quite well known and it talks about like uh, legal um consensual stuff about uh, relationships and how all consensual relationships are good Uh, but it also has a weird focus on polyamory which i don't really understand why but i mean i guess i'm glad that's in there and then it gives just over a page to talking about bisexuality homosexuality and transgenderism and basically saying that they're all okay and fine which is nice to read again usually when you read things about like dogma and again this is really drawing from like the christian idea of dogma those things are actively banned so i would have appreciated like more of an effort to include that and, like more discussion of it as according to like the wicked read and things like that but a bizarre amount of that chapter is just given over to the great right and how to perform it and a ritual in which to perform it and that kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier about how it feels like they came up with the commandment and then maybe an introduction about it and then just shoved in some random stuff that was kind of connected to it but not really because it's not really about ethics or morals it's just about witchcraft which you can get in like a thousand other books about witchcraft and not in a book that you particularly bought because you wanted to read about magical guidelines for everyday life i'm getting annoyed i promised myself i wouldn't um but it also says um about the great Rite, which is something that i found really weird The symbolic great rite, this is on page 152, uses an athme, ritual dagger, inserted point down in a chalice. The dagger represents the male energies, the cup, the female energies. This symbolic approach can be used by two men or two women instead of the physical act. While two men or women could have intercourse with intent, the ability to create life does not exist in that combination. And thus we offer the alternative symbolism, which kind of reminded me of that webcomic that you see where there's like a pair of chopsticks and a knife and fork and the knife and fork are like oh so which one of used the fork because it's asking like maybe a lesbian couple who want to perform the great right one of them has to be the man and one of them has to be the woman and they have to fit into that heteronormative thing which again rubs me up the wrong way quite a lot of this book rubbed me up the wrong way personally it probably wouldn't do the same for you if you didn't have the same like issues that i do but it did kind of annoy me and also it's 2019 you know two women can create life together it might not be as simple as just you know doing it behind morrison's and seeing what happens but they could go to a fertility clinic and they could create life and the idea that there aren't creatures out there that can create life asexually as well is just kind of weird it just has to fit into this heterosexual binary thing not even to mention the fact that there are people out there who identify as male but who have the biological ability to carry children it again it just seemed a little bit like blinkered and a little bit simplistic for the year in which we find ourselves and i know it was published in like 2006 because i just checked the copyright page but that wasn't even that long ago get it together so by this point i was kind of not feeling it and i was skipping quite a lot of stuff because I didn't feel like I was getting anything really out of the book in the sense that I'd gone into it expecting to see some serious discussions of how to tackle ethical decisions using Wiccan philosophy and I just wasn't getting that. Just one final point before I wrap this stuff up towards the conclusion because we're going on for quite a while because That was quite a lot that I found that I did not like. Um, But page 120 is the end of the uh, honour thy ancestors, teachers, elders and leaders section, which is uh, a mirror of the Christian commandment of honour thy mother and father. And the elders section is, again, like a page. There's nothing that's particularly looked at in depth in this book. But um, when they talk about elders, it quickly becomes apparent that they mean specifically elders of the pagan community. Uh, and you can see that in the beginning, where it says, "I left our elders to the end of this chapter for many reasons. First, they may or may not be teachers, leaders, facilitators, or clergy, which puts them into an interesting niche. No matter what function an elder has filled during their time in our community, our community, they are still our elders. Now, I am the first to admit that there are some elders, such as Alistair Crowley, towards whom I have trouble mustering respect and gratitude. But I also have to remind myself that these people were walking the path in far different times." And then the end, uh, the last paragraph says, I believe we need to begin to care for our elders by creating established neo-pagan charities and outreach programs that have sound planning and strong infrastructures. Rather than treating yourself to that pretty crystal or souped up AFME, put the money into funds that support pagans or give it to an elder in need privately or or anonymously and encourage other people to do likewise. So it it basically talked about elders in terms of the pagan community. And in the um, All Acts of Love and Pleasure Are My Rituals section, it talked about specifically the LGBT community within the pagan community. And I started to feel like maybe the Christians had a better book than us in terms of this book because that's all about like reaching out and it's not just the christian community if you look at like charities like christian aid CAFOD, they do spread christianity across the world but they help people who aren't christians as well um and it's all about like helping your community and it's not just the christian community it's just the wider community and i thought we've gone too specific this book is going very much down to a needle point and it doesn't it needs to be broader because how we live our lives and what I thought this book was going to be about is taking those Wiccan ideals that we practice once a month in circle and taking them outside with us into the real world where we interact with non-Wiccan people or non-witches and act as ambassadors for our religion even if people don't know what our religion is. So in that respect our elders are just elders. It doesn't matter if they're Wiccan, it doesn't matter if they're Jewish, Christian, Hindu, whatever even those poor atheist old people they need our help but you don't have to set up a pagan charity to help old people for the love of god there are plenty of charities out there that benefit the elderly like help the aged for example i was in there today i bought a dolly Parton cd from their charity shop it kind of it keeps looking at things through this wicked niche instead of opening it up and widening out these ideas and in that way i felt that this book was quite inferior to the circle within because that's all about taking your faith outside and doing things with it whereas this is about bringing everything in and putting it in that pagan box and only doing the pagan things which annoyed me beyond belief and I'm not saying let's not support our pagan elders because obviously yes we should but the fact is that that's a minority within a wider group that also needs help and you know you shouldn't be looking for a pentacle before you say oh hey maybe I should help you with that shopping because you look like you're having a rough time and I would have liked to see instead of saying like oh maybe you could take them to a doctor's appointment or these things that kind of require a personal relationship if you started at the small end like not being so aggressive and angry towards older people who like walk slower than you or drive in a not great way and get in your way and instead just take a moment and think to yourself actually maybe i should be more compassionate maybe i should be embodying the goddess more in how i'm treating my fellow people it kind of just goes straight for the most obvious blunt thing of eh, maybe you could bring them a bundle of firewood and a cake and it's like well what if i don't know this person what if i just want to be a, a better person generally which is what religion is meant to do now it wasn't a very long book um i think it maybe did have some interesting ideas in it but they're definitely ideas that i had seen put forth better in the circle within which there is another review for I absolutely love that book. It's like my favourite go-to. It inspires me. This book just aggravated me, as you can probably tell. I'm not going to say don't go and read it, because to be honest, you might get something out of it that I didn't, especially if maybe you're coming from a more Christian background and you're looking for a way to relate those principles to paganism. But even as I'm saying that, the specific commandments that they do they don't necessarily match up with what the neo-pagan equivalent is given as they're kind of different ideas am i glad that i read this book not really there's a couple of ideas like it got me thinking a bit but mainly it got me thinking about things that i thought should have been included or discussed in the book that weren't um but i mean i'm not mad that i paid like a pound for it and got to read it because i guess eventually I'll get around to thinking about things like abortion and the death penalty and things like that on my own time and just considering them but it hasn't really given me a framework to do that and to be honest a lot of the stuff that it talked about were was just generic stuff a lot about mindfulness and breathing and that was basically about what I took away from it. But if you have read the book and if you enjoyed it if you absolutely loved it let me know because i mean there are positive reviews on goodreads clearly some people did like it i don't really know why but if you'd like to let me know why uh, you can get in touch on twitter which is as usual at witchfix and you can get in touch via gmail which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com and check it out let me know what you think and let me know what you thought about it and if you enjoyed it got anything from it tell me I'm wrong. Just, I don't know, just tell me or even recommend something like it but better because I'm quite interested in in following this kind of genre of pagan book. But in the meantime, I will see you in the next episode.